You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together and we study God's word for 1% of our day. And then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Welcome back. Once again, we are on day two of Matthew, the gospel, first book of the New Testament. And yesterday, if you joined us, we went through the genealogy of Jesus. And if you sat through that, give yourself a round of applause. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that painful, although we generally look at the lists of genealogies as I don't know, somewhat uh, uneventful, but I hope yesterday in studying actually the meaning behind it and why Matthew decided to start in that place, um, I hope you found it a little bit more interesting than you may have in the past. If you remember that Matthew was quickly trying to establish a couple of different things, but we'll get to that in a second. Before we do, a little bit of housekeeping here. I invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app if you want a digital Bible to go ahead and study along with us. You can jump on there. You could also get this podcast anywhere that you get your audio streaming. So that's Spotify, that's Apple Music, that's Amazon Music, whatever your favorite is, you can find it there. Just go and search for the 1% Christian. And here we go. So yes, yesterday we studied out the genealogy of Jesus. And if you remember in the first three chapters here, we are really at the beginning of how Matthew tees up his gospel. And if you remember, his gospel is mainly aiming to educate the Jewish population of that time on who Jesus is. And the three things that he is trying to establish right off the bat was one, that Jesus is the Messiah that they've all been waiting for. First thing he goes for is that Jesus is a son of David and a son of Abraham. And why are those two individuals very important to the history of uh, the Israelites? It's because there were promises through both of them that would lead directly to Jesus and the new covenant. First, he promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand. And we know uh, that that is fulfilled, not just for the Israelites. Remember, through Abraham, God set aside a bloodline of people that he would work on for many years. And through that bloodline would come the Savior that would save everybody. So now what this first century uh, church is trying to figure out is that it's not just through Jesus for Israel, but that God's promise and his covenant is open to everybody. And David gets promised a throne and a kingdom that would come through his lineage that would last forever and ever. So by Matthew pointing that out to the Israelites, they can start connecting to the dots that Jesus is not just this guy coming on the scene, just claiming to be God, claiming all sorts of crazy things. What we also hit on was that Matthew mentions some people in the genealogy that wouldn't normally be there. Although genealogies were very common 
in the way to chart ancestry, char- chart royal heritage, chart the difference between somebody who was an Israelite and a foreigner. But he mentions Tamar. He mentions Ruth. He mentions uh, Rahab, brings up Bathsheba. These were all women that had very interesting pasts, right? Tamar and Rahab were both prostitutes. Ruth was not a uh, an Israelite. She was a convert. And Bathsheba was the woman on the uh, on the roof that David was seduced by. Not really the fault of her own, although if you're going to be on the roof bathing, um, you may be asking for trouble just a little bit, but we won't blame Bathsheba for that. David should have known better, uh, but David takes her as his wife. But they're all mentioned there. And what does that point out to us, right? That point that points out to us that the road even to the Savior was imperfect. The road to Jesus was imperfect, and that reflects you and I in a lot of ways, right? Our road back to God is imperfect. And even after we find God, you know, right, we still make mistakes each and every day, but we have God with us, right? And that was the third part, right? Matthew's trying to establish Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as being uh, like Moses, but greater than Moses, which means that what he said was greater than what they interpreted in the law. And we'll touch on that a little bit more. But also, Matthew wants to establish, and we'll see here and as we close out Matthew chapter 1, he wants to establish that Jesus was the fulfillment of Scripture in Isaiah, which says that God is with us. But again, Matthew laying out that Imperfect people brought us to this point. And not even imperfect people, but even Jesus himself, think about it for a second. They wanted a Messiah, a, a ruling king like David. And and uh, I like how Dr. Matthew Hester said it at Sound of Heaven Church here uh, over the weekend. They wanted a, a, a warrior king and God sent the baby. <laughs> and that is exactly where we are today. We're going to discuss the birth of Jesus, which Matthew right away jumps into. And we're going to focus it on, yes, on Jesus, on Jesus being the Messiah. But we're also going to focus it on Jesus's parents. And we know Mary always gets a lot of credit and rightfully so. What uh, an awesome, virtuous woman she was to take on the the responsibility of uh, giving birth to God. But we're going to hone in on possibly, I guess we can call him a stepfather, right? Possibly the best stepfather to ever live, and that is Joseph. So let's start with verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And uh, we're going to go all the way through the end to verse 24. But let's read. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The other Gospels, uh, particularly Luke, will detail this a little more. But we know that an angel appeared to Mary, told her what was going to go on. She's uh, espoused to Joseph. Espoused was very similar. It wasn't quite married, but it was similar to being engaged. But there was a lot of uh, rules and regulations around that um, and some very severe consequences, which we'll get into, uh, for breaking that 
promise. Let's keep reading. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So if you remember, or if you've ever read in uh, some of the other accounts that Mary actually goes to uh, her cousin Elizabeth, who is actually pregnant with John the Baptist at that time. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. And when she comes back, uh, we, we can deduce that she was showing. And Joseph knew he had nothing to do with that. So here we are. So Joseph, he had a lot of rights under the law, right? He could have went and exposed her and brought her to public disgrace. But even more so than public disgrace, according to Deuteronomy, she could have been stoned. But it says that Joseph was a just man and decided to not expose her to the public disgrace, but he wanted to divorce her quietly. And what that would mean is he would get a couple of, uh, a couple of witnesses, two witnesses to be exact, and then could have given her a certificate of divorce. And then that would have been it. And I want to hone in on what that means about the heart of Joseph. It truly means that Joseph had the heart of the father. We see that in, he has an encounter with an angel. Verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she, what, is she is, uh, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So a couple things I want to point out here. How does Joseph have the heart of the father in heaven? And this is so awesome. He chooses grace over judgment. Again, according to the law, he could have put her to public disgrace and possibly put her to death. He chooses not to do that. And what does this remind you of? It reminds you of the heart of Jesus. Right, because almost all of Israel wouldn't have done that. They would have gone ahead and, and put her out, and that would have been it. But he, who is a just man, think about this for a second, bypasses what the law would have him do, which probably could have brought him some sort of scorn as well, and then decides to show her grace by giving her a way out. But actually, Right, the angel appears and says, "No, no, no." He clarif uh, the angel clarifies a few things, and Joseph actually takes her as his wife. But I want to recall John chapter eight when they dragged the woman, the adulterous woman, in front of Jesus, and they were looking to stone her. What did Jesus do? the The law, right from Deuteronomy, said that she could be stoned, but what did Jesus do? Jesus stood in front and said, no, 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 that's not going to happen that way. So in a way, Joseph, we see in Jesus, when we look at Jesus, of course, Jesus had the heart of the father. But what was cool is Jesus had an earthly example of the heart of the father as well in Joseph. And Joseph being willing to listen to God and to follow his direction but to also have grace and mercy. And that grace and mercy didn't look like what the law was telling them to do. Remember, when Jesus appeared on the scene, 
he came and he said many things like, I know you have been told this, but let me tell you this. So he came to fulfill the law, but also to point out all the things that they had been believing about their own rules that they thought came from God, but were incorrect. So again, Jesus came to fulfill the law and to correct the law. And we see this in the heart of Joseph, a heart of grace, a heart of justice, a heart of mercy and a heart of love. And there's going to be times where the religion in you, the law in you, the flesh in you that wants to just see the people that come against you, the people that do things wrong, you want to see them destroyed. But the heart of the father wants to preserve, wants to protect wants to give grace, doesn't want to destroy. And that's a misconception that we have about God is that is that when we do things wrong, that he wants to just destroy and smash. And that's not the way God is. It's just not the way God is. And it's reflected here in Joseph. All right, so let's close out this chapter as we're nearing our 1% here. And it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. This was out of Isaiah chapter 7. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if you remember, the the angel commands Joseph to name the baby Jesus. And Jesus stands for the salvation of Jehovah. And Jesus was actually a very common name back then, more common than you would think, but it was given a more powerful name, but it already meant salvation of Jehovah, which is pretty telling and pretty awesome. You ever look up what your name means? I suggest you do it. A lot of times you'll find that it means something that really fits who you are. It says, and when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not uh, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name of Jesus. I just want to touch on Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Israel had God with them for a long time in a lot of ways, but in what we call types and shadows, right? God was in the Ark of the Covenant. God was in the Holy of holies right in the in that place in the in the temple where only the priests could go but they never had god like this they never had god in in human form and god became man and he walked this earth basically brought the two natures together and this is really powerful because they were seeing this and now they were in the presence of God in a way that they would never know what one that almost looked like them in a way, but would now as he a baby then, but would grow up and, and the things that he did were the examples of what we should all be as humanity. And the things that Jesus taught, which is what we'll get into from, from chapter four on will lay out what it's like for us to live in this new kingdom that is being established. So this Emmanuel, this God with us, it really reflects God for who he is as the deity, but also the nearness that he has to us. God with 
us. And we know the end of the story, or the what happens, right? In the Great Commission, when Jesus is ultimately uh, not only crucified, but risen and goes to the Father, what happens is we become indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And that was the next step, even beyond what we're reading here, was that God dwelt with them as spirit inside of flesh. But soon God would dwell in them as the Holy Spirit. And that's where you and I live right now. So my prayer as we close out today's study is that we give other people grace. Jesus is the epitome of everything that God ever was. He didn't necessarily bring something new to the table. We had it wrong for a long time. When he said, love your enemies, that wasn't a new concept. That's the way God always was. But it needed to be revealed to the people, and it was real revealed to them through Jesus. Today, I hope it's revealed to you through Jesus. And I hope as you head out into your day that you can give people grace that maybe your heart, your mind, your flesh doesn't want to. But I don't want to call on your flesh. I want to call on the heart of God that's inside of you to give people more grace than you normally would. And to realize that you are with Emmanuel today. God with us is that God is with you each and every day and around you and inside of you. And because of that, you can do amazing things through him. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the birth of your son. We thank you for his life and ministry that we are studying here today. God with us, God in the flesh, that we can use Jesus as the example for our life. Lord God, as we continue this study, help us each and every day to understand who we are and whose we are in you. And just wherever you are, just say, God, use me today. Use me today. And then you, as you head out, look for the opportunity for God to use you because he will. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church. You're listening to The 1% Christian. Remember, 100 starts with 1, and tomorrow we are going to start Matthew chapter 2. I love you guys. Have a great day.